Hello, welcome to New Community Elkins podcast. I am Bobby Benavides, lead pastor of New Community Elkins, and I'm excited to have you here with us. I hope you enjoyed the message. May it move you to a deeper relationship with Jesus and encourage you in growing with him. Well, again, good morning, church. I'm excited to be with you this morning as we go into our fourth part of our five-part series in the potter's hands. We've talked a lot about the idea of what it means for us to be in the hands of God as, as our creator. We trust him as being the one to really work inside of us and to do the work to change us into something that can be used to glorify his name in this world. We've talked about what it means for us to let go of control, to let go of power, and allow for the one who is an ultimate authority to be in authority over our lives. So for us, when we are in the potter's hands, we recognize ourselves as being what is shaped and molded. He is not being shaped and molded to us, although we would like him to be, right? We would love for him to be shaped and molded to our standards and to what we want him to be, but he is actually the one who is already formed and shaped. He is God. He has always been, always will be. He is the great I am. We have no right to say I am who I am because he is the only one who stays consistent. We change. We grow. We shift. We become new creations through Christ Jesus. This is what we have been talking about in this series. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the series, please go back and listen to some of the messages on the, on the podcast because, because I, I think that this has been some of the most challenging messages for me to preach. But I also feel like these are messages that, that will challenge you in your relationship and in your understanding of who God is for you and who you could be through your relationship with Jesus. But today we're going to be going into uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2 is what we're going to be looking at today. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're, we're actually going to be looking at a letter from, from Peter, the, the, the disciple of Jesus, who was a fisherman who started following Christ. And when he started following Christ, he, he, was, he was challenged a lot because he was very much a strong Jewish man and held firm to the Jewish laws and commandments and understood that the, the Jewish people were the chosen people in, in his mind and, and for him, anybody outside of the Jewish uh, lineage was, was not going to be a part of God's plan. And so he was challenged a lot, especially when, when different people were being brought into the, the kingdom, brought into relationship with Jesus. He was challenged when he saw the woman at the well. He was challenged when he saw Jesus eating with Zacchaeus. He was challenged with all of these things. And so now Peter, and we see a story of Peter too, which is really cool in Acts, when, when Peter has this challenge of having to go speak to the, the people outside of the Jewish faith, who were referred to as Gentiles, right? We, they were Gentile people, and he was like, I, I can't go to them. They're unclean. I can't do that. And so he had a, a vision of a sheep coming down and he saw all these different uh, 
like food items and, and hooved animals and, and the Jewish people didn't touch those things and, and God said, eat. And he said, I'm not going to eat these things that are unclean. And God said to him, don't call anything unclean that I have made. And so at that point, Peter stepped into a new idea of what it meant to serve and love people beyond our comfort zone, beyond his comfort zone, beyond what he understood God to, to believe and to be. Because Peter had an idea and a thought of who God was and should be, and so now he, he, he was kind of forcing that on him, and God said, no, 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 no. <laughs> you forget, Peter. I'm in control of this story. You are just a part of my plan, but I am the one who does the work. You are serving for me. I am not serving for you. So Peter steps into this journey. So Peter writes this letter to the Gentile Christians. He's writing this letter to, to help them understand what it looks like to truly be persecuted to what it looks like to, to be enduring through the pain of losing loved ones and to possibly losing everything around them because of kings that were threatened by Jesus' teachings and by, by people in the religious authority who were challenged by, by the, the way, the people who followed Christ. And so now Peter writes this letter saying, look, this is how we're going to maneuver through this. Your hope is not found in kingdoms here on earth. Your hope is found in eternity. Your hope is found in Jesus Christ. Your hope is found in the one who went to the cross for your sins and rose again so you can have right relationship with your creator. So this is what it looks like. So he goes into chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And I know lately I've been reading a lot of Bible, and, I, and so, so bear with me on this because this is a lot of scripture again. But we're going to be reading verse 1 through verse 12. So... Let's have some fun here. So in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected and become the cornerstone has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. 
Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Let's pray together. Father, again we praise you. Lord, in this moment we ask for wisdom, for discernment, for direction, for guidance as we walk through this this section of a letter that was written to a church that was truly being persecuted, to a church that was trying to figure out how to walk in this world and, and to do it correctly, to bring glory to your name. So God, I ask that you open our eyes, our ears, our minds, the way you have to speak to us through this today. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. So in the potter's hands, in the potter's hands, you see, when, when I think about pottery, um, I have, you know, I shared my story in the beginning of the series about trying to make a boot out of ceramics, right? I, I was horrible at this. I'm horrible at, at having to make anything with my hands um, out of anything, really. I, I just can't do it. My hands are just not capable of making anything great, right? I just can't do it. Um, but, but the reality of it is, is that when you make something, when you're making it, you, you want to have it that's actually with a function, right? You want to have it to where it's actually going to be either uh, pleasing to the eye, right? You can set it up and people can see it and be like, wow, that's actually a nice piece of art, which my boot was not, and I believe I put it in the back of somebody's bookshelf, my friend's mom's, actually. I think I put it in the back of her bookshelf, so it's somewhere there. She probably just still doesn't even know it's there, but it's there. Um, but when you have something good that you've made that you want to display, it's going to be there, and it's, and it's a function because people can actually find joy in it and find... Uh, something that, that draws attention. It can also serve a purpose in the sense of where you build a, a vase to put flowers in. You can make a cup to pour something into and drink out of, right? You can, you, all these uses of pottery, when it's made correctly, it can be functioning and serve a purpose that is really meant to help other people, not just you. And this is what we're seeing here. In this letter, we're seeing what God, the master artist, potter, who can make us into something that is going to serve a purpose beyond ourselves for other people to understand who he, who he is, for his glory, for his word to be known, for his truth to be understood. So when Peter's writing this letter, he's challenging them to understand what it means to truly walk as a follower of Jesus, of the way to be a Christian in a world that is dark, a Christian in a world that is broken, a Christian in a world that is longing to know something more, a hope beyond the current circumstances. So he starts off in the, sec in the second chapter challenging them to say, look, <laughs> watch what you're saying. Right? He says, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. We have to be wise in how we're speaking about each other and about other people. Because when we're doing these things, that is not pointing to righteousness, it's pointing to selfishness. 
When we're doing these things, we're not demonstrating who Jesus is. We're demonstrating our own desire to be in power. We're, we're pointing to our own desire to be in control. We're pointing to our own desire to make ourselves look better than other people. So watch your mouths. Because as you come to him, as you come to Jesus, we are set aside to be a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. You see, whether you believe it or not, or whether you've understood this or not, and I'm here to point this out to you, that I am not the only person in this church or a part of this church that should be able to have a connection with God. That is something that has been taught for many, many years and many, many ages, that for some reason the person who's standing up here is the one who is holy and righteous and a part of a priesthood. But we, as a collective church, capital C, have been called into a holy priesthood. There's a priesthood of all believers. We carry something bigger than what we think. And we have a message that's supposed to be pointing people to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. There are callings on people's lives to be in certain positions. My calling is to be in a pastoral role. Some people are called to be teachers. Some people are called to be lawyers. Some people are called to be doctors. Some people are called to be physician's assistants. Shout out to my wife. I had to do that. But some people are called to be other things. And that's okay. But no matter what, we are still being shaped and molded into becoming a holy, royal priesthood that is pointing to a message of glory to Jesus Christ for the world around us to see. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not a pastor, so I can speak what I want. And sometimes as a pastor, I wish I could say what I want, because there's a lot of things that I would love to share with people. But I have to hold my tongue, because I recognize that people hold pastors to a higher standard. And that's true, and Scripture does say that. If you're a leader of the church, you're held to a higher standard. So I'm, I'm trying to refrain but you are still a part of a priesthood. You are still pointing to Jesus. So if you continue to decide to decide to spread malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander about people who are created by God, whether they're on your side or not, right, whether you're on your side or not, then you have to realize that you are going against the very word of God. And you are putting damage on the priesthood that you've been called to be a part of. Just think about that a little bit more, especially as we go forward. Because in verse 8, it talks about people stumbling over the rock of Jesus, right? But it says, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Now, I want to put this into perspective here for a second. Because I think sometimes what we like to do is say, well, the world is the one who's going to stumble because they don't know the word of God because they're going to disobey it as they were destined to do. You can only disobey it if you know it. Right? It's, in the, it's only disobeying if you know it. It'd be like me punishing my kids for something I never told them to do or I've never instructed them not to do. I, I'm not gonna, I'm, they're not going to get in trouble for that. I'm going to have to teach them, and hopefully as they grow and as they get older, they'll start to get better at listening to what I've told them not to do. 
But I can't get mad at them if I've never told them not to do it. So you can't get in trouble. You can't be a stumbling over disobeying the word if you've never known the word. So this is actually pointing to people who are disobeying the word because they know what's being taught, but they've chosen to go their own way, to do what they want to do. And to bounce back to, we have heard the word say, love your neighbor as you love yourself. We've heard the word say, care for the poor, the widow, and the orphan. We've heard the word say, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, care for the prisoner. We've heard the word say, be humble, hunger and thirst for righteousness. We've heard the word, like, you see what I'm saying here? All the things that we've heard the word, who's Jesus, because even in John, it says that in the beginning the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh, the word is Jesus. So here, when we are disobeying the word, it's because we disobey what we know has been taught, but we don't feel right about it, or we don't feel comfortable with it, or it's just not enough for us, so we're going to go ahead and go our own way, and we're going to speak malice, we're going to slander, we're going to create deceit, we're going to be hypocrites on purpose because we want to disobey what we've already been told. See, now this is a challenge, isn't it? Because for me, I, I've seen so much of this that people who have known what Jesus taught or say they know what Jesus taught, and they're going completely to the opposite. Because they don't feel, it doesn't fit their, their political leanings, or it doesn't fit their own idea of who God should be, or it doesn't fit their understanding of who Jesus should, should, have, should be, or what Jesus should have done, or what Jesus will do. I heard the other day someone say that, you know, for some reason Christians in this world right now are looking for a lot of vengeance. Which broke my heart when I heard that, but it is true. There are a lot of Christians who long for vengeance and for their justice, you know, in a way of, that creates violence and, and hatred. But I heard them say that when we, I can't remember who said it, so I wish I could give credit to the quote, but somebody else said this. But they said that when we go for vengeance ourselves, we are actually stealing from God. Because God says that vengeance is his. That he is in charge of justice. He leads us to do what he's called us to do as we follow Christ. But when we start wanting vengeance, when we start wanting to create chaos and, and anger and hatred towards people or towards a group, we are now putting on God something that he never desired to do. And we can look at the Old Testament and find that out very, very quickly. Just go to the book of Jonah, when Jonah is supposed to go preach to the Ninevites, and he doesn't want to because they're dirty people, they're gross people, they're, they're angry people, they're, they're vengeful people, they're all that stuff. And so he does not want to share anything about God. So then God's like, no, you're going to go do this. And when he does it, Jonah gets mad because God saved those people. Of people that should not have been in the body, should not have been allowed to be saved. So let's come back. For some reason, we have decided that we can go ahead and preach vengeance. I'm saying we, and I hate being lumped into it. And some of you guys are, ah, don't lump me in that. No, no. See, the thing is, unfortunately, when Christians do this in Jesus' name, we get lumped into it. And the only way 
that we are not going to be lumped into it is when we start preaching and teaching against it and start living the way that we're taught. So again, let's jump to this a little bit more. Because again, I'm, I'm wrestling with this a lot. And I hope that this is challenging because, because honestly, I think that we've allowed ourselves to be corrupted. We've allowed ourselves to be manipulated. We've allowed ourselves to jump into fights that we don't have any business fighting. We, have, we aren't even supposed to really be fighting for kingdoms of this world. And the fighting that is supposed to be taking place for the kingdom of God really is pointing to love in Jesus Christ and pointing to who he is and the spirit of God will teach and mold and shape. So, people stumble because they disobey the word. But in verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You have a purpose, a function. You've been created and molded and shaped to do something for the glory of God. And when you see this, beloved, I urge you as sojourners, as exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Because the passions of the flesh are, are going for your own desire, your selfishness, your own, your, your own power, your own authority. You will spread malice and hatred and deceit. Why? Because that is a, that's a battle of flesh. But as sojourners, as exiles, we aren't a part of this world. When you come into Christ, you're no longer a part of this world. Our kingdom is somewhere else. We are a part of a kingdom that's somewhere else. And that's going to be eternity. And we are going to be a part of that kingdom. And so now when we look at the world around us here, we live for that kingdom. We live for what that kingdom teaches, for what that kingdom preaches. Not separation, not hatred, not malice, not envy, not anger, not wrath, not deceit, not hypocrisy, not, not stinking conspiracy theories. We live for something true. We live for the truth, and we long for the truth, and we go for the truth. And when the potter's hands are in us, our words are molded, are shaped for his glory. Our actions are molded and shaped for his glory because we're made to be Something that is functioning and something that is pleasing to the eye. That is something that draws people's attention in. And yes, we understand not everybody's going to come to accept Christ and that's okay. But we don't get angry about that. We live to keep pointing to the glory of Jesus Christ. We don't start telling people, well, this is what you should be doing. No, you have something that you should be doing. Loving people, serving people, pointing to mercy, being humble, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, your own understanding of righteousness. Not, not telling people, well, if you want to be righteous, this is what you need to do. No, point them to it by living it. Point them to it by being it. Help that start to shape inside of you, and that's what the potter's hands does. Like, dude, they, they move you and they mold you because you allow him to make you into something functioning. Because in verse 12, it says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. You see, <laughs> this... This right here is what I think we need to embrace today. We have something that should be honorable to the Gentiles. 
to the people who don't know Jesus in this moment. The people who are trying to figure out if Christianity is something they want to be a part of. Is it anything they want to be a part of? There are people who have stepped out of it because of what they've seen it become. There's people who stepped out of the church because they've seen the church not representing what the church should be representing. And this is what we see the church should be representing. Being honest and truthful. Not angry. Not malicious. Not posting everything negative about the person who you don't agree with is doing. But spreading stuff that brings light into darkness. Because we were taken out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Into the marvelous light. And the Gentiles, those who are hungering and longing for hope in a broken time, in a, in a restless time, the one place they should be understanding it and seeking it the most has created more tension and more pain than we ever should. All because we want to be in control. All because we want to do more than what Jesus came for. We want to condemn people. We want vengeance. We want to protect our rights. We don't want to face persecution. But Jesus never said we weren't going to. And Jesus said never, never said, hey, fight so you never have to. Jesus said continue to love. Continue to point to righteousness and peace. Continue to be the light in the darkness. Continue to be the salt of the earth. Preserving. Be Paul wrote, be an aroma. Peter says, we are a holy priesthood. You see, like, all this stuff happens when the potter's hands are in control. And truly shaping you into something functional. Something of purpose. If we're really made the way the potter wants to make us, then we'll be pouring out stuff that's good. We won't have holes that are causing damage. We won't be a part of the pain. We're a part of the healing. We won't be part of the discord. But we will be a part of the reconciliation. We will not be a part of the anger. But we will be a part of spreading the joy. We will not be a part of spreading false narratives, but we'll be a part of pointing to the true narrative of Jesus Christ. We will not be a part of making church into something it never should be. We are going to be a part of making the church be something that God wants it to be in this world. We are meant to be a part of something good. When people turn away from us, it's not because we're jerks. When people turn away from us, it's not because of our political affiliation. When people turn away from us, it's not because of a Facebook meme that we shared. People are going to turn away from us because we love too much. 
People are going to turn away from us because we are humble. We are more humble than they'd ever expect. And we don't brag about our humility because that's counterintuitive. <laughs> we are going to be people who want chaos. See, this is where the church has been missing on many levels. And this church, New Community Elkins, I'm not going to speak for every other church in our area, and I'm not going to speak for every other church in the world, although I know some great churches, but New Community Elkins, we are going to be a part of something better. We have to be. If we stand for this, if we stand for the truth, and what we read in 1 Peter, then we are not going to be a part of the malice and the envy and the slander and the hypocrisy. We're going to stand for truth. The truth is found in Jesus, our Lord and Savior. That's our function. That's our purpose. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are in your glorious being, in your marvelous light. We thank you for your graciousness, for your mercy, for your justice, for your kindness. We thank you. And Lord, we confess our brokenness. We confess our, our selfishness. We confess our lack of understanding, our our own desire to go our way. But Lord, in this moment, we ask again for your healing. Because we're coming before you in humility, asking for your grace to be upon us, for your mercy to be upon us, to heal us, to restore us, to redirect our purpose. Father, your glory needs to shine, your name needs to be known, and your church is going to be that vessel. But may the true name be known, and may the true glory be shown. By the church who stands for your truth, and stands for your teaching, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us. In your gracious, mighty, holy name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening to New Community Elkins podcast. Again, I'm Bobby Benavides, the lead pastor here, and I'm glad you came to listen. May it encourage you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. May you move with him daily.